Well, it's a warm Friday here in Boston, and what that means is it's time for another podcast. Welcome, Roland. Hey, Frank. Looking forward to talking with Andrea Fryer today. Wow. Well, welcome. Let's ring her up right now. Okay. Sounds good. Hey there, guys. Hey. Welcome. Hey, Andrea. How you doing? Good. How are you all? Doing well. Yeah, and we're glad to have you on the show. So, Andrea, I know that your title is that you're a content marketer and agile marketing evangelist over at Market Gizmo. Can you um, maybe just start by giving our listeners a little background about the company and your role there? Marketer Gizmo got started a little over a year ago as a purely content-driven site that is part of the sort of Gizmo family. Survey Gizmo is the software company that uh, I also write for. But marketers use surveys, but just not all the time. So we wanted a way to be able to communicate with them when they're not running a survey project. So we started writing about tips and tricks and best practices. And that's where the um, agile marketing topic got started for me when I was researching other articles. And it's become a huge passion project of mine. And here I am. So how much of it is you practicing versus you writing? Well... Our marketing team for Survey Gizmo uses Agile, so I mean it's it's a day in day out practice for me, and it's also uh, they also serve as very nice guinea pigs. They're very willing to try all of my crazy ideas when I read something and come back and say, "Let's try this next sprint." They're very willing to let me experiment on them, and then I sort of report back. Great. What's the size of the team? Let's see. We are eight right now, growing rapidly. Probably will be twelve in the next quarter. Okay, and is that one collaborative team, or is that broken up into different bits and pieces? Right now, it's just the one, and we do a single sprint. Uh, We have developers on our team who work on our websites, and we're finding that they may need to become their kind of own animal, but that's a work in progress. So right now, we're all one. The mechanics of your scrums, is it post-it notes up on the wall, or a Jira system, or something else like that, something in between? We've been doing Trello since we started. Uh, We actually just experimented this past time with a physical board with stickies. The the sort of content and social media folks like it, the developers not so much. (laughs) So we're again trying to figure out what worked and what didn't. We have our retro in like three hours, so we'll we'll take it to the to the mat. Curious what people didn't like about it. I think they don't like the they can't track things as well. So like listing bugs that they found or uh, sharing screenshots, that sort of thing that they like to do with one another. They they need to continue sort of a, an external system, some sort of software system. And they figure as long as they're using that for one thing, they might as well use it for everything. Sure. You just need to go out and buy a big-ass touchscreen to put on your wall so they can right. have it both <laughs> ways, right? right? I'm sure that's coming at some some company. I haven't seen that yet, but it can't be can't be far off. So obviously our conversation today is going to be very content marketing focused. So th- there's a bunch of questions that I think have come up in past shows that I'm going to sort of tee up for you to hear your unique perspective on. So one of the first ones that's come up a lot lately is what is a user story in the context of content marketing? What are your user stories? For content, we do, I mean, it's pretty standard. So it's as a, I mean, we write for marketers. So it might be as a social media marketer, I would like to read an article about when the best time to post my tweets is so I can improve my follower engagement something to that effect. And then we write the article that meets that requirement. And it's actually been really great for my content team because 
really forces us to focus on the why of the article instead of falling into, uh, I heard somebody call it like the Wikipedia trap where you just kind of spew out all this information that doesn't have a point. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how do you organize all of those? I mean, presumably there's a content architecture that you have where there's like a portfolio of ideas that you have an opinion on or that are related to, you know, the marketers that you're trying to reach. Do you have a vision for that portfolio and there, there are pieces missing that are sitting in your backlog? Yes, yes. So we have a, a kind of a content backlog that we draw from. And periodically, I go around internally and collect ideas from sort of our internal stakeholders. That's more for the survey gizmo side where we have salespeople who are actually speaking to customers and um, making sure that we're meeting the conversational needs that they're having. But for marketer gizmo, it's it is a lot of talking to other marketers and reading what other people are writing and kind of seeing where I think the gaps are and trying to fill those. And so, yeah, we have the backlog and, and we do a pretty limited scope of future planning. We don't like to go much farther out than six weeks for like our editorial calendar and, and content planning because things do change. And that takes us about three sprints because we do two week sprints. So that's about as far as we go. You just answered my question about sprint duration. So what, how many user stories are you writing on a given two-week sprint? So with myself and one other dedicated writer, we pulled down 10 article stories and then uh, three to five, depending on the size of the more t uh, sales enablement type stories. Those are going to be more like lead gen and case studies and, and things like that. So we're, we're kind of working both sides during the same sprint. So one thing that comes up when I talk to content marketers a lot, it's an idea that I think when I say it out loud, sometimes they look at me like, what are you talking about? I, I ask them, how often are they iterating on a specific piece of content and republishing it? And I think there's this idea there that a lot of marketers have that, you know, you can't publish the same piece of content again, <laughs> right? I think you can. I do that all the time I myself. I totally agree. I totally so, agree. Yeah, so I want to hear how do you do that? How do you differentiate the content? And if you can speak to like, what about SEO? How do you address the SEO concerns associated with you know having multiple pieces of pretty closely related content on your site? We do a couple different things. So one is the the straight up republishing, and this happens more on on the Survey Gizmo side because it's a ten year old blog. So there's a lot of of old stuff out there that's kind of lagging and we go back and, and give it a facelift and update the content and then do a straight republish so it gets a new publication date. It's new to you as they say. Right, exactly. It's new to, to just about everybody. It's a four-year-old blog article so really who remembers reading something from four years ago even if you actually did. And then for Marketer Gizmo we take a look at our analytics data and then if it's a piece that's performing okay, but not great, we'll either decide, does it need a new spin? Does it need to be kind of a, hey, here's another piece of this discussion that we tackle in a new article that's similar, but takes a different angle? Or does it need to be totally redone? And it's nice to be able to just say, nope, that didn't work, but the topic is still strong. So let's try again. Okay, so do, do, I just want to make sure our, our listeners have a really fine point on understanding exactly what you're doing here. Are you saying that you're actually taking that old post and like redirecting the traffic from that post to this new post, or are you actually just updating that post? Just updating the post. Got it. Okay, sounds good. So, so basically, 
all the analytics that you have are sort of historical all the way back to the beginning in a single place attached to that post. Yes, yes. Okay, great. That's helpful. And I think that's the right way to do it. So what, what percentage of your, your content these days comes from that? Uh, we only do one a week out of that, so 10%, one out of 10. Oh, so it's not a huge number. No, but we actually, I just ran these numbers this week, and the pieces that we've done this for, on average, we've gotten 360% increase in organic traffic. So it's, it's proving to be very successful for us. So you're picking your winners, and you're exactly. kind of rerunning your winners. So I guess that would sort of make sense, is because you're, I'm assuming your traffic today is now significantly greater than your traffic was three or four years ago. And then coupled it with that, you're picking the ones that really were the most were the best and the winners and the most relevant and kind of touching them up. Well, actually, the ones we've been doing the most republishing on for SurveyGizmo are the ones that kind of started off strong and then they really sort of lagged in the past you know year. So they've been underperforming before we go back and, and give them a facelift. I get it. So they, they had a lot of relevance. You know the content resonates with your readership, but it didn't necessarily become, let's say, a piece of reference content that's generating tons of views on right. a consistent basis. Okay, got it. So you're trying to get it into reference content status. Is that one way that you think about it? Yeah, that and some of the, the older posts were written very much uh, about our particular software and we're trying to get it to be, like you say, more reference, more best practice uh, that people could use. It's content marketing, right? So you could use it. It's going to provide you benefit regardless of whether or not you choose to ultimately go with our system. So let's talk about different channels, taking your content out to different channels. What's your atomization process? Is that a word you use? You know, how do you, you take that here, piece of hero content or that piece of really high performing content? What's the strategy you employ for kind of taking it to the street in other ways, shapes and forms? It's not something, I'll be honest, it's not something we've done a great job with so far. Um, I'm a really prolific writer and for the past eight months, the first eight months of Marketer Gizmo's life, I was the only person devoted to it full time. And so I focused on what I could do best, which was just writing, writing, writing. And we've just now started thinking about ways to go back and, and find those those really high performing pieces and atomize them more effectively. But that's starting to look like for us slide shares, some ebooks. We have a few like checklist type pieces where we have, you know, download the checklist version of this article and that type of stuff. But it's it's something we need to do a better job of because we have we have some really great pieces that are sort of siloed right now. Well it's not uncommon to have focus on one channel. I I saw Joe Polizzi talk last year at MPB to B and he was talking about most of the people he knew were pretty successful, had one channel and did it really, really well. And all the secondary stuff was secondary. And I, I kind of taken that to heart as well. I know Roland, you and I have been doing a lot of podcasting lately and yeah. I always feel guilty about not blogging because I really enjoy blogging. But I think his point was if you, if you can be really, really successful in one channel, then the secondary channels will follow. But the yeah. most, it's more important to be, successful in a channel and then so, dr and drive from there. There's something that I talk to my team a lot about, and I think it's maybe just a little bit of self-marketing self-defense, but you know, I, I would rather do one or two things really, really well and develop a super strong practice around those things than try and do a lot of things in a, you know, not very competent way. So I think that's generally the way that I approach my work. I think that I, it, it almost... <laughs> 
I don't know if this would be part of the Agile Marketing Manifesto, but it seems like that could be the, a kind of principle that you would expect to see there. Right. Well, maximizing the amount of work you choose not to do. <laughs> I had never heard it stated that way. I think you put your make a roll that is less cheeseburger posts and more filet posts. You know? <laughs> but even when it comes to choosing different channels or maybe even choosing different segments. Like I think one of the things in Agile that I think is good is that, you know, you don't walk away from something just because you completed something, you need to validate it with data and show that it worked before you get to move on to the next thing in your backlog. So if you if you are working on a new channel or let's say even a new persona within the channel, you're not going to generally make time or space to work on something else or a new uh, something uh, another channel until you've really validated that what you're doing with that persona in this channel is working and mm -hmm. it's working really well and that's a great thing about using an agile approach is you can do a low risk kind of foray into that channel decide if it's worth it and then you've invested a minimal amount of time and resources to learn whether that's a good idea or not agree that's a great segue so you mentioned you're you're taking some of that hero content and bringing it into the SlideShare was one of the examples you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. What are the, the things that you're looking for to validate whether or not that's working for you? Yeah, you know, it's that's the hard part about Agile for marketing, right, is it can take a while for a, a new channel to bear fruit because we've, we've done this a few times with SlideShares and we've had one or two really good successes and then a couple, like you put it out and it's crickets where no one really likes it or downloads it or does anything with it. So then I think it's about, okay, was it the content that wasn't great? Was it, did we pick the wrong persona to try to reach through a slide share and learning? Was it our mistake? Was it the audience wasn't interested? Like figuring out what the dissonance was. And are you using advertising to help get to the bottom of that to just artificially get some eyeballs on the content? We haven't done that yet, but that is a much a great way to accelerate things, I think. Shift gears for a second just to understand the mechanics of how you do it. I know we were talking about two-week sprints and user stories. The question I had is, what's the overlap between waterfall processes like having an editorial calendar, which I think you made reference to like six weeks out, versus having two-week sprints, and how do those two peacefully coexist? We haven't had too much trouble with it. I think mostly because our editorial calendar is very, very flexible. So there's been several times, like I said, where we have a piece that does really well and we're like, okay, so scratch that plan for next Thursday. We're going to do a follow-up piece on this. Things like that, just because our team is agile, that's never like a big discussion. It's just, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to switch that out based on the data. So the editorial calendar is almost like a macro level planning framework rather than an absolute schedule? Yes, that's exactly right. I guess another question that I'm interested in, it, it is a little less process oriented, but in some ways I think it does relate to waterfall versus agile in the sense that oftentimes marketers think of their strategy practice as being something that, that's, that's waterfall, right? It's about strategy oftentimes is thought about a plan. I think that modern marketers in my opinion recognize that strategy needs to be about more about planning than it is about the plan but that said the reality is a lot of those people out there still think of strategy as a plan and oftentimes when it comes to content that plan is trying to balance 
content that's focused on driving demand, cap lead capture, with content that is focused on you know et entertaining, educating, getting nurturing people down the funnel. So when you look at the portfolio of content that you're managing with your agile practice, how are you balancing those two very different goals with you know with your practice? How do you ensure that you you don't get too weed focused? The data really helps a lot with that because we can see both what performs well from an organic engagement level and what performs well from a lead generation level. And then we can try to sort of drive down both of those paths at the same time. And then it's, it's even better when they overlap and a piece that people really are enjoying reading also is creating a lot of leads. And that's, of course, the sweet spot that we're all trying to get to. But we do sort of like two, it's almost like two concurrent like journey maps so we have one that's more about how can we meet people where they are across their whole journey of solving a problem. So that's really more of the creating the entertaining, educating content side. And then there's almost like a sales journey side that our salespeople are going on during their conversations and where can we create content that helps them. And then again, when those two sometimes dovetail, then those are, are really successful pieces, but they don't always. So yeah, it's it's a fine line that has to be walked your right. And the calendar is a nice way to visualize for everybody that what we're working on and, and to show we are trying to do both things at the same time. But then if things shift from one sprint to another in terms of things are successful or needs change, then we're able to to meet those changing conditions too. Andrea, well, this was awesome. I could talk about content for... I don't know, three or four days. <laughs> if, if, given, if given the chance, unfortunately, we have we try to keep ourselves around 20 minutes and we've kind of bumped up against the time barrier. Excellent conversation today. I um, just wanted to wind things up with a reminder to the people who are out there listening that we are on iTunes. Most people are finding us there. See, Roland, I did say it. Uh, and if you have a story to tell, like Andrea or Jeff or all the folks are Barry, other people we've had on the podcast. We've got some excellent guests coming up in future weeks. I'll tease Mr. Jim Yule is going to make a return appearance who are mm -hmm. Roland and I are both excited to have Jim back on the podcast. Um, but if you want to share your story, you can reach us through the normal channels, we're both on LinkedIn, but more importantly, we're on Twitter. You can reach Roland at, at R smartly, or you can reach myself at, at Tangy slice. Yes. My former career as a, as a middle-aged gangster rapper never took root so i stuck with the twitter handle and you can also find past episodes and information about the podcast at agilemarketingblog.com well on behalf of roland andrea please stay agile